This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome into another year of NFL Friday, the 2019 edition, the 100th anniversary of the league. I'm your host, Charlie Misano, alongside Devin Clemente and Emmanuel Barbari. Guys, I mean, how do we start off this podcast without talking about last night's game? 100th year of the of the league, so they started off this year with the great one of the greatest rivalries in sports, the Green Bay Packers against the Chicago Bears. Packers won 10-3 last night. What were your impressions of the game? Because for me, that was a, a terrible way to start off the year. I couldn't agree more. So excited for the new season. So excited for football to come back. And a 10-3 to game. I think it was like the lowest scoring week one game in like a ton of years. Um, and, you know, obviously the Packers come out on top. But I saw, obviously the Chicago Bears defense is really good. But I really saw, and I expected the Packers defense to be better this season. They showed out. I mean, I mean... Granted, Mitch Trubisky didn't have a great game, but we already saw some of their high-priced uh, guys that they brought in make an impact. Darius Smith was excellent yesterday. Adrian Amos basically had the game-clinching interception yesterday. And, you know, other guys that they had in their defense from last season, like Blake Martinez, showed out, had great games. That Packers defense is for real this season. Yeah, and Mitch Trubisky did not show out. He was yeah. brutal. That game was brutal. And maybe if there was two inches of snow on the ground, it would have been fun. 10-3, yeah. Packers-Bears gives us an old-school feel. But that was not a good game considering we're in the beginning of September. And I love the rivalry. I love how they represented and, and kind of shined the, the start of the 100th season of the NFL. There were great optics to it, but it wasn't a fun game to watch. At least we have that one out of the way, almost a preseason week five, and we can get the season started. Matt LaFleur's first win as an NFL head coach. But we got to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, the Bears traded up one pick, and I forgot exactly what year it was, to get this guy, and he just – hasn't shown he, last year he, he had a, a decent year but you can't say that la, yet last night was was an impediment of of his of his career so far I mean 26 of 45 228 yards no touchdowns and interception uh, this is not the guy who they the Bears traded up to get and if this is how he's going to be all year it's going to be a rough year for the Bears and the, I mean this offense was so good last year and you take a step back like that in week one it's just not a good look Mitch Trubisky was horrendous last night. Like it really can't it can't be stated enough. I mean, the throws didn't look strong. There were numerous balls that he basically floated into the defense. That last ball, that last pass that was intercepted by Adrian Amos was basically just floated into the back of the end zone and it got picked off. I mean, it doesn't look like he can see the field well. It looks like he's kind of just scrambling for his life back there and he's unable to take control of the game. It seemed to me watching the game last night like it was just three hours of Chris Collinsworth trying to be nice and going. <laughs> Man, Trubisky really missed a great opportunity there. Like, they had opportunities, and he didn't take advantage of a single one. And there were plenty of people entering the season. The Bears are talented on the defensive side of the football, but they won a lot of very close games last year. You mm-hmm. look at the first four or five weeks of their season last year, all of them decided by seven points or less. They had a great season. They were able to surge to the finish line, but... In reality, this is a team that has a lot of downside when you consider some of those up-in-the-air games from a year ago. Trubisky's not that great. He's obviously not at a point where we can just be full all-in on him. And 
the Bears could be one of those big turnarounds. Certainly not a lot of people going out and and betting all in on the Bears. This year. I don't know how many times Mitchell Trubisky last night threw into double or triple coverages, overthrew his man. Uh, it was just a poor, poor showing from the Bears, and they got to work out the kinks for a week two. Otherwise, uh, Chicago Bears fans are not going to be happy this year. But let's switch over to the Packers. I mean, Matt, like we said, Matt LaFleur's first win as a head coach. Mike Pettin did a really good job last night controlling that defense and making – Mitchell Trubisky be Mitchell Trubisky, and Aaron Rodgers uh, had didn't play at all in the preseason, but he he looked fairly good um, last night. He went 18 to 30, 203 yards, one touchdown. I mean, nobody really looked spectacular right. overall because the game was just so terrible. Yeah. But uh, if you're if you're the Packers, you got to be pleased with the way the game obviously finished. And uh, just a building point for for next week and for the whole season. Yeah, and I think that, like I was saying before, I think the X factor for them this season is how good that defense can play. Because I do have faith in the offense. But one thing that I was paying attention to last night was, you know, I, I I know this is a controversial statement nowadays, but I think Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback of all time. At, at the very least, I think wow. he's. I th- at the very least, I think he's the most talented. I I don't know. I don't know if that's as controversial, but. His big drawback in recent years, and for pretty much his whole career, is he kind of has a tendency to sit back there, hold on to the ball too long, and kind of scramble around and try to play hero ball. And that's something that you know, guy, a guy like the who other people say is the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, he gets the ball and within two seconds it's out of his hand. Aaron Rodgers took five sacks yesterday. You cannot take five sacks in a game and then re- expect to win. They kind of snuck that game out yesterday with ten to th- ten to three win. I want to see Aaron Rodgers be a little bit more decisive moving forward. And he has the talent, obviously. He has everything else. But if he is going to continue to hold on to the ball, that could be an issue for them moving forward. Most talented is actually <clears throat> fair because you consider that Brady has a system. He has Bill Belichick. They know exactly what they're going to do on a play-by-play basis. And then Aaron Rodgers, it seems. As you mentioned, he's always playing hero ball. He has a couple games and a couple plays a game where you're like, wow, like yeah. what did this guy just do? But then the rest of the game, it's kind of flashes here, flashes there. So I thought Aaron Rodgers was able to manage the game last night, but the defense ultimately won it. And <laughs> we didn't mention at the top the Traymond Williams quote at the end that they made Mitchell Trubisky be Mitchell Trubisky, and that's what that's the reason they won the game. Yeah. So that was a defensive strategy, just get that guy to play quarterback and you're going to win the game. So the Packers' defense was obviously the story, but Rodgers is a guy, as Devin mentioned, a lot of more upside if he's able to manage the game a little bit better. And considering this is an NFL podcast, we're going to talk about the Jets and Giants later in our show, do some fantasy hits, as we always do every year for our loyal listeners. But we got to talk about the big headlines, as, and as well talk about our predictions for the for the league this year as in, in general. But we can't go without talking about the huge Antonio, Brown's new, Antonio Brown news yesterday. Uh, could be potentially suspended by the Raiders after getting into a heated altercation with General Manager Mike Mayock. They come out yesterday and say uh, he he's going to be he's he's home today and we'll evaluate the situation later. Then before the Bears-Packers game, his agent Drew Rosenhaus comes out and says that he's trying to get this situation resolved and Antonio Brown wants to be a Raider. It's just such a messy situation and. Uh, I don't know how many, how much more the Raiders can deal with this guy, and how, and they, he hasn't even played a game <laughs> for them. Unbelievable! <laughs> how unbelievably like arrogant and unstable must you be to basically put yourself in a position where his thirty million dollars guaranteed could be voided? He could be off the team, you know, as soon as this Sunday. I mean, it's unbelievable. They didn't have to give this guy a new contract, and they just did, just because they wanted to kind of greet him coming to their team, make him the highest paid receiver. It's 
unbelievable how, how it's been the helmet. It's been the feet. He's just unhappy with ev- everything because the wind blows the wrong way. It is unbelievable. And then this morning, I, I don't, I mean, it's crazy that this is news in 2019, but he unfollows Derek Carr on Instagram. He unfollows the Raiders. So could be a sign of the impending end to this, this marriage. <laughs> it's been brutal. And this a long trend of the Raiders just making awful moves. That contract they gave Gruden to run the franchise oh was absolutely outrageous. He could be gone after this year if things don't go well. And I don't blame them for doubling down after they do something like that, have a disastrous year. You have an opportunity to get the most talented wide receiver in football, arguably, or at least the most productive on your team. I don't blame them giving him a deal. How could they have foreseen this? But now in hindsight, you look at the decision the Jets made to bring in Le'Veon Bell, his teammate, over Antonio Brown, both head cases arguably, one is completely going off the rails right now, and I worry about his mental health. Like, I actually do. I worry that there's actually something wrong with this guy, and it, it, it's tough to jab at him and jab at him and jab at him when there could be something wrong because these are not stable actions that he's making. Day after day after day, this isn't something that someone who's making $30, $30 million a year $30. to play. <laughs> if it's $30 a year, he's, he's allowed to do this. If it's $30 million to play a kid's game, you cannot do this. And I, I, I'm beyond words. I don't know what to say at this point. The one thing I'll disagree with you, man, is I don't think Gruden gets fired after this year because they're going to Las Vegas next year yeah. and they want something to draw the fans to. Um, then if he if he's terrible next year, then I think they could they could let him loose. Fair enough. But overall, with... with uh, with Antonio Brown, I have a pretty hot take when it comes to this guy. Let's hear. I think that this guy is way too talented to not have him on your team. The Raiders are a dumpster fire right now. Um, without him, they're they're. I think they're up with the Dolphins as one of the worst teams in the league. Antonio Brown makes you so much better on offense. If I'm the Raiders, I say screw it. This guy is a head case. We know it. He he brings a lot of attention to us. Just let him play. Let him play week one. Let him go out oh. there. I know that. You have to sh- uh, show a precedence but and, and make sure that a guy doesn't step over you. I, I mean, what he did to Mike Mayock was, was pretty terrible. I'm not, not advocating yet. that um, he should behave like that, but you, you brought him in knowing who he is. You know that he's Antonio Brown. You know that he, he's a head case. You know that the Steelers wanted to get rid of him for those reasons. But, he, you, again, you know that he's going to do stuff like this. You, didn't, you need a guy like that on your offense, and I just say... Let him let him play. Are you just, worried though? Like, I am. Are worried. you are you worried that you put him out on the field? Something crazy could happen. I don't think. I think once he's out on the field, I think he's going to perform. I think he's just going to do his thing. Uh, I think Gruden, like Gruden, yesterday after all this stuff happened, he came out and supported Antonio Brown. Clearly, him and Mike Mayock are not seeing this eye to eye. So obviously, I think John Gruden wants him on the field, and I think that uh, the ownership ownership Mark Davis didn't bring in John Gruden to not have. Him make the decisions, so why not let him decide if he wants Antonio Brown on the field? That, yeah, that's not a that's that's a great point. However, you know, I th- it's interesting because I think if Antonio Brown's on the field, I think he does do a great job. I think he plays great. But you know, I think about some things that Ryan Clark, who was a former teammate of him, said about him, and he one of the things they said was like he would rather get a hundred yards and two touchdowns than win the game. And I, that's never been more evident to me than like right now because I, I just think that if you have Antonio Brown on the field, 
he's really just a me guy, you know, and, and I yeah. wasn't sure before, but it's really evident now. And I I don't know, in a, in a team game, the Raiders are trying to win games moving forward. I actually don't think that they're that bad. They added a few first-round picks this year. Cleveland Farrell looks good. Jonathan Abram looks good. Uh, Josh Jacobs as well. I think that they have some talent there. I, I, I think that I would like to think that John Gruden's a good head coach. Um, so I don't know that Listen, he, he Antonio Brown is an unbelievable talent, so yeah, he's going to make their team a lot better. But I don't know that it's worth that headache moving forward if they can still suspend him and void that contract and just kind of be done with it. I, I do think it shows a little bit, though, how much of disarray their organization is yeah. in, if you even consider playing him or consider giving him any benefit of the doubt. Because you imagine if something like this happened in a huge, huge market, like in New York, yeah. uh, Odell Beckham Jr., when he was still yeah. here, goes up to the general manager and has a altercation with him people would want him thrown in the trash bin and and that's kind of how obj was painted while mm -hmm. he was here as a right, villain yeah. type figure never did something as outrageous as this so if you just kind of make the comparison of markets like there shouldn't even be a thought to giving this guy any mm -hmm. benefit of the doubt despite his salary i might cut him at this point he might have been cut if he was in new york or, or yeah. some some similar situation. I agree with, and I, and it still might happen if they suspend him. They if and they can void his contract. He's done. That right. marriage is over. And I just think it's interesting because you know it's kind of a headache in general that so many wide receivers across the league are divas. But and and you can you know you can deal with that to an extent. But I just think when the guy is literally threatening to punch the general manager in the yeah. face, that's a completely different level. My opinion basically is. This I think I think they would have suspended him already. Yeah. But for Drew Rosenhaus to come out on TV and say that he wants to be a Raider and that he hasn't heard about suspensions yet, I think that's behind the scenes. John Gruden and Mike Mayock are going at it. It's a good Mike point. Mayock is saying I want him off, and Gruden saying I want this guy on my team. I think overall, the ownership is going to side with Gruden because they paid him all that money, and he's the he is the the figurehead of the organization right now. And I think Antonio Brown. After we, he won't play week one. I think he's going to be on the team after after week one. So uh, that'll do it in terms of the Antonio Brown news. But quickly before we go into our Jets Giants segments um, and to our fantasy segments, I want to just talk about the divisions itself. Um, let's do just do a rapid fire uh, talk about who we think overall will win each division, make our a really far far in advance Super Bowl pick, and then we'll get into our our, our discussions. AFC East, obviously, we can all go around and say New England Patriots for by, by far will win that division, AFC East. Yeah, I mean, they're the best team right now. If there's any challenge this year, would I be surprised? Maybe a little bit of a challenge late in the season? Yeah. No, but it's a Patriots division. Yeah. They're not losing the division. AFC North, Steelers, Browns, Ravens. I'm going to go with the Steelers here. Yeah. I think that the Browns could eventually be a wild card team. It's painful for me because there, there's no team that I despise more than the Steelers. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Steelers. I think that the Browns are a little bit overrated and kind of have a weak line. And I think there's a lot that can go wrong with the Browns mm -hmm. this year. Their talent may win them seven or eight games, maybe even nine, but there are gonna be a lot of bumps in the road. I wonder how they handle adversity. Steelers, less distraction this year, still very yeah. talented. I love them in that division. Before the season, AFC South, everyone was pointing to the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck no longer there because of retirement. So by default, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans here. The Jaguars got better, but mm -hmm. I don't think that they're division championship worthy. Nick Foles is a good addition, but they I think they got some 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 stuff to do in order to get up there. 
It's funny because prior to Luck's retirement, if, if he was playing, the, the Colts would have been my Super Bowl pick. I think that across the board, they have an enormously talented team and with one of the best quarterbacks that takes them over the edge. I'm going to go with a sleeper pick here. I think people are sleeping on the Titans. It, it, wow. it, Marcus Mariota is a huge X factor, but they have great a great offensive line and defensive line, a great secondary. They have weapons. If Marcus Mariota can be even competent this season, I think you could see them taking that division. We're going all three different here with this division. I'm going Colts. I'm sticking with them to win the division. I like Brissett. I like the fact that he's been there. He's done that. And they haven't really lost anyone other than Andrew Luck. So if they're able to rebound and not get off to a disastrous start and not bury themselves, I like the Colts to stay on top of this division. AFC West, we talked about the Raiders, but obviously the team in that division to beat is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Los Angeles Chargers, obviously pretty good as well. They'll, I think they'll be my second wild card. Well, they'll be first in the wild card, and the Cleveland will be the second wild card spot. But Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and that lethal offense, their defense did get better. Uh, Kansas City is the team to beat. Yeah, I agree. I think their defense got better, and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, in the only season that we've seen him really play, he was the best player in all of football. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. Not even a question here. NFC East switching over to the NFC side. It's either between the Eagles and Cowboys for me. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz hopefully will stay healthy this year. Their defense uh, is is pretty good, and they added some some new offense weapons on offense. Miles Sanders from Penn State, Jordan Howard at running back, um, and then the wide receivers they added Deshaun Jackson back. So I think. The Eagles are a pretty solid pick for the NFC East. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles as well. I think that they're a superbly built team. Howie Roseman's done an unbelievable job there. And they they are in the running for the most talented team in the NFL. Something to think about, if Carson Wentz gets hurt again, could Josh McCown lead that team with all their talent to the Super Bowl? That's nuts. <laughs> could happen. It could yeah, happen. With what's <laughs> happened with the Eagles, I would not be surprised. I like the Eagles as well, but I don't think this is a lock. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to be a very good team. Just locked up Ezekiel Elliott, and I think there's a little bit more stability there once that happens. So this is going to come down to the final week, but I like the Eagles to edge it out. So for me, Dallas is my first wildcard team. Now we're going to go to the NFC North. Saw the Bears and Packers last night. Before that game, I was going to say the Bears were my pick to win the division. I'm not going to jump ship after one week. I still say... Chicago wins wins the NFC North. Their defense is by far the best in the league. Uh, I think Trubisky is bad, but he's not that bad as he was last night. He has a, plenty of weapons on offense. They just drafted David Montgomery. Um, Tariq Cohen is still there. They got plenty of wide receivers. Uh, Allen Robinson, to name one. I'm going to stick with the Bears. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a bad pick at all. They certainly have one of the best defenses on all football. I think if they're going to take that step, I think that they kind of got to become a more run-first team, give the ball to David Montgomery a little bit more. Um, But I'm going to go Packers. I think that they have the best quarterback, and I think that the defense is going to be much improved this season. I'm going Pack. This is another one like the East where I think it's going to come right down to the wire. I like the Bears to be in, and I like the Bears to have a very good year. But I think there is a little bit more stability with, with Green Bay. Best quarterback. There's no more feud with Mike McCarthy. So... I like the Packers to to return to the top of this division. NFC South, Saints won the division last year, obviously made it to the NFC Championship game, loss on that pass interference play. I, I think they're going to come back this year and make the jump they did after two years ago with the with the Minneapolis Miracle. I think that they win the division and also, for me, going to jump jump ahead a little bit. I think that they are the, the represented for the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Saints as well. 
Um, and you could be right about that. I, I, I think the Saints are going to go to the NFC Championship game. I really think that the Eagles are going to go to the Super Bowl this season, but I'm going with the Saints in this in this division as well. I love Drew Brees. He does it year after year after year. The Saints were my favorite team in the NFL last year. They were so consistent. They were great on both sides of the ball. I just worry about the Saints in the playoffs, speaking of playoff picks, when they have to take it on the road. I, I don't like any team coming into the Superdome. I, I think it's a lock for the Saints to win those games. If they have home field, they're my Super Bowl pick, but they're definitely my pick for this division. Last division, NFC West. I I know the San Francisco 49ers got a little better. The Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, um, the Seattle Seahawks. They just got Jadavian Clowney. But for me, the Los Angeles the Los Angeles Rams, excuse me, are a lock for that division. Then Seattle, I think, will will fight for a wild card spot. The Rams are another, you know, unbelievably talented team up and down. I, I still don't understand how they've managed to give out all these enormous contracts under the cap. But I'm going to go at the Seahawks. I think that uh, Russell Wilson, well, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in that division. I think that they have a really supremely talented defense. And as long as Russell Wilson can manage games, and keep in mind, he's a guy that can also take over a game as well, I think the Seahawks are going to be a dark horse in that division this season. I like that dark horse pick. Rams at the top. I don't think it's going to be very close, but the Seahawks wild card spot, absolutely. And I think this division is starting to refine some of that form we saw maybe five, six years ago where it was kind of a powerhouse in the NFC. You're kind of stockpiling talent there, new leadership with some of these teams, but it's still the Rams division to lose. So in, now that we have our playoff teams, we're not going to go into round by round. Let's just go right to the Super Bowl. Yep. We're already in February in Miami. I'm for my pick, I'm going to go, I already said it, the Saints for the NFC. And for the AFC, you got to go with the Patriots again. They've proven people doubt them all the time. They've won last year. Uh, I think that New England comes back and uh, repeats as AFC champs. But in terms of the winner of the game, I got to go with Drew Brees and the Saints. Drew Brees will retire after this win and ride off into the sunset as a two-time Super Bowl champion. I don't mind that pick. Uh, I think that that's a fun pick. I'm going to go with... An Andy Reid Eagles Super Bowl. I think that the Chiefs go over the Eagles in the Super Bowl and Andy Reid finally gets his first title. I love Charlie's pick, and this is my pick as well. I, and we've been robbed so many times of that Breeze-Brady matchup, and we came so close last year to getting it. So I want it this year. I'm going to speak it into existence. It's going to happen. Patriots, Saints, Pats have a much improved defense this year. Like, watch out for the... Patriots on the defensive side of the football. So I like the Patriots out of the AFC. If you doubt them, they're going to prove you wrong time and time again. On the NFC side, I love the Saints, and I would love to see Drew Brees ride out with that second Super Bowl. So now let's go on to the New York highlights of our podcast. So Jets and Giants segments coming up. But first, everyone plays fantasy football, so we got to hear our first fantasy segment with Emmanuel. Uh, he's going to tell us, are surefire starters or studs of the week. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. So starting at the top with my studs, quarterback Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting pick. We were talking about the North and what can happen there. But the Ravens have an easy week one matchup. The Dolphins are in tank mode. They allowed over 390 yards of offense a game last year. That's one of the worst marks in the NFL, so I like Lamar Jackson to light it up. It's not a hard test for him in week one of the season and a great matchup to get him off easy and going in year two 
as a starter in the NFL. Another stud running back, on Johnson of the Detroit Lions. And this is a little bit of a bias pick. I do have him in one of my leagues. My running backs are weak, but I like Johnson, especially in week one. Cardinals rush defense, not great. Worst rushing defense in the NFL last year. So again, a soft landing spot for Johnson. He can take off. He can have you a big game right off the bat in week one. Doesn't make him an RB1 candidate, but at least puts him in that conversation to get you over the top in your week one matchup. And it doesn't look better this year in terms of that rush defense out in Arizona. So my two studs for the week, Lamar Jackson from the Ravens, on Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Thanks, E-Man. And now let's shift over to gangrene first, and then we'll go over to the Giants. So let's hear my Jets report. I'm the Jets beat reporter for us here at WFE Sports. Let's hear my report on the New York Jets for week one. Out with the old and in with the new for the 2019 New York Jets. After a dismal 4-12 and record last season, gangrene underwent a complete facelift and almost changed everything about their team. They added a new head coach in Adam Gase and hired a new general manager in Joe Douglas. They signed one of the best running backs in the NFL in Le'Veon Bell after he sat out the entire 2018 season due to a contract dispute with the Steelers. They continued the trend of newness by adding one of the best inside linebackers in the free agent market, former Raven C.J. Mosley, drafted Alabama defensive end Quinnen Williams with the number three pick, and oh yeah, they even changed their logo and uniforms. Even with all these changes, the Jets made sure two key pieces from last season remain the same. Safety Jamal Adams and second-year quarterback Sam Darnold. Both were named captains of the team and both have high expectations. We got the right pieces in place. Um, everybody's excited and um, I can tell you this, this organization is excited to get out there. We have a ton of confidence. A ton of confidence not only in the coaching staff and the game plan that we have going into week one, but um, just in ourselves too. As for the season opener, the Jets welcome Josh Allen and the Bills for a 1 p.m. matchup on Sunday. Allen looks to build on his promising rookie season with some new faces of his own on offense, including Cole Beasley, John Brown, and third-round pick Devin Singletary, who takes over for now Kansas City Chief LaShawn McCoy. In what should be a game that includes higher energy throughout the stadium, I have the Jets starting off the 2019 campaign 1-0, defeating the Bills 24-14 thanks to a strong performance from Darnold, Bell, and the new-look offense. Jets fans have been waiting a while for this day to come, and they hope this is actually a year that new changes made by management will actually result in wins, rather than enduring another season of the same old Jets. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. So you heard the J-E-T-S Jets chant. I'm so excited to be at the game on Sunday. And in my report, I highlighted all of the changes that the Jets made. New logos, new uniforms, new running back, new head coach, new general manager, new pretty much everything except for the quarterback Sam Darnold and the leadership of Jamal Adams. When we're talking about the Jets, we got to start off with Sam Darnold. Second year in the league, he they the Jets only had three wins last year, but this year is a prime, prime position. They are in prime, prime position to take a significant step forward, and it's got to be because of the play of Sam Darnold. Yeah, 100%. Oh, excuse me. And I couldn't be more excited for the Jets this season, honestly. I couldn't be more excited for Sam Darnold. I love the things that I'm hearing for Le- from Le'Veon Bell. And people forget, you know, last season it was kind of an uneven year for Sam Darnold, but after he came back from that foot injury, he was literally 
one of the best quarterbacks in all of football for, for a good month of the season, the last four weeks of the season. Highest QB rating in the league. He was pro football focus's highest graded quarterback during that time. I really think in his second year with another offseason under his belt, with a better coach, in my opinion, Adam Gase, great offensive system, better weapons across the board. I think we could see a tremendous leap from him this season. And that quarterback mentorship from Adam Gase, I think he's going to be critical for Sam Darnold. If anyone was looking at his rookie year just based on the numbers and saying Sam Darnold isn't good, I, I dare you to look at a lot of the great quarterbacks in this league and how much they struggled in their rookie season. Sam Darnold arguably had a better year than some of them. Mm -hmm. And then you look at those final six or seven weeks of the season after that injury, he tore it up. He, and you saw those flashes all season long, even right off the bat, the arm strength, the arm accuracy, his ability to read defenses. He was so next level, I thought, last year in so many facets, and I think he's going to take the next step this year, and that's all the Jets really need. And if you're talking about an outlook for the Jets this year, if they can get a huge step forward from Sam Darnold, not a lot else matters for the Jets this upcoming season. And in order for Sam Darnold and the team itself to take that next step, they had to get better, so why not go out and get, in my opinion, the best running back in the league yeah. in Le'Veon Bell? Um, you sign a guy like Jamison Crowder who – would be a, is a really good slot receiver, is a good target for a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, Chris Herndon, all I think will take steps forward uh, based on the play of Sam Darnold. And uh, this offense is significantly better than it was last year. And like you said, Devin, new head coach in Adam Gase, who is offensive-minded, helped Peyton Manning have one of the best seasons in NFL history. So this, this the cards are in the Jets' favor right now, and let's just hope that their schedule – just doesn't get the best of them. Yeah, and I don't. <clears throat> excuse me again. And I don't think that their that their schedule is all that bad either. You know, the AFC East on the whole this season, I don't think has a super tough schedule. They play the NFC East this season, so they're getting a game against the Redskins. They're getting a game against the Giants. And you know, I I just think that this team is really talented on offense, significantly more talented than last season. They added Ryan Khalil at center. They added Kalichio Semley to kind of shore up that offensive line. They added Jamison Crowder, who went healthy has been one of the better slot receivers in football. And Le'Veon Bell is an unbelievable talent at running back. I, I think that this offense is set up for great things this season. The only thing that concerns me is the defense. The defense is a bit concerning, and I like the fact that they have Greg Williams in there who's known to maximize those defenses. I think he'll work in some schemes that can just get the most out of what he has. It's not the most talented defense. They don't have a lot of core, uh, core depth, for that matter, in the secondary. So... The defense concerns me, but when you look at the schedule, I really look at the first six weeks. If they can get out of the first six weeks, three and three, the Jets are going to be a playoff team this year. It significantly softens after that. It, they have a clear path to 10 wins if they get out of the first six weeks at 500. If they bury themselves, they go two and four, one and five, we're going to be looking at a lot of the same from last year, and, and it's going to be a tough situation with the Jets, but they have a chance to really make a run at this thing if they can weather the storm. Patriots twice, Cowboys, Eagles, Browns. It's not an easy first six weeks for the Jets. And you mentioned their schedule. Let's get our predictions on what the Jets' record will be this year. Uh, they start week one against the Bills, so I think that's a win. Uh, we won't go week by week, but just highlighting the most important games. Cleveland, I think, is an important game. Uh, I think that that's a toss-up. I, I go with a loss there. I think that the, the Jets end up losing uh, against the against the Browns. Um, week three against the Patriots, that's another loss, so they could start one and two. Then you just go down throughout the schedule. They play teams like Pittsburgh. Obviously, we they are in the same division, so New England twice. 
Baltimore on Thursday night. Cincinnati will be uh, should be an easy game. Washington should be an easy game. Miami twice. Uh, so overall, based on all of those games, I think that the Jets finish off nine and seven this year. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with me today. But, uh, yeah, so I think that, like E-Man pointed out, the first six games are really, really challenging. I think that they're going to beat the Browns, actually. And, you know, listen, everybody wants to, you know, uh, pile on the Bills, but I think the Bills are an actually much improved team this season. Their I think that did get a the lot defense better. is a lot better. I think the offensive line is a lot better. I still don't have a ton of confidence in Josh Allen, but I think that that could be a tough game. I think the Bills could be all right this season. I think that the critical, critical game in those first six is I think they got to beat the Patriots at home. They got to split with the Patriots. I'm actually surprised that they play each other so soon, so early in the season, but they got to win that Patriots game at home. If they can win that, I think that they can open the season three and three. And like you said, it's kind of, you know, they have a clear, uh, a clear way to, you know, nine wins, 10 wins. I think that they're going to go 10 and six this season. And they normally split with the Patriots. If you look at history, it, it's just weird that they play each other like three weeks yeah, apart so early in the season, so they won't really have to worry about each other later on. I think with that early schedule, I think they'll be able to weather it a little bit, three and three, maybe two and four, but I still think if they're two and four, they have a path to nine and seven. It gets significantly easier. There are only a couple of tough games later in the season and games that they still can very easily win. I have nine and seven for the Jets this year. We'll see if that's good enough for a second wild card spot, but nine and seven puts you in position to sneak in. So me and E-Man have nine and seven. Devin has 10 and six. Regardless, nine or 10, a significant jump from three wins last oh, year. Yeah. That'd be huge. Hopefully they make the playoffs, and uh, we'll have to see with Gang Green. But before we go to our Giants segment, let's get our guys who E-Man thinks you should sit this week, so our duds of the week in fantasy football. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Dud number one is a guy you love year after year in fantasy football, and it's Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan. He has a road game against the Vikings this week. Third best team against the pass in 2018. Ryan, not a guy that projected at the top of your fantasy drafts anyway, so if you're marking him as one of your studs this week, you're a little misguided. Vikings are probably going to shut down the pass game and a lot of Ryan's options, so I go away from the quarterback and the Falcons this week. And dud number two, wide receiver T.Y. Hilton from the Colts. Could have been a stud candidate for week one if Andrew Luck wasn't retired, but now you have Jacoby Brissett there. Matchup against the Chargers, a good cornerback core there. Going to be a difficult challenge for him. And again, you might want to wait on T.Y. Hilton and any of those Colts wide receivers to flourish and develop without Andrew Luck in the fold. What does Jacoby Brissett have to offer? So for now, steer clear. No Colts wide receivers. No number one wide receiver for the Colts. No T.Y. Hilton. No Matt Ryan this week in your fantasy football. Thanks, E-Man. And We'll get you again one more time for the sleepers picks. But now let's go to our Big Blue segment. And before we talk about Big Blue, our Giants beat reporter for the station, Brianna Leverty, has us with her week one report. Eli Manning will be the Giants' starting quarterback come Big Blue's week one matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. But will he maintain that position? The impressive preseason performance of rookie Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Danny Dimes, has made Manning's status as a starter completely dependent on something he has not been able to do in recent seasons, which is to consistently win games. In 2018, the G-Men finished with a 5-11 record for their fourth losing season in the past five years. 
With a revamped offensive line, though, Eli has a solid chance of proving he can still perform in the NFL. Former Patriot Nate Solder returns from last year to lead an O-line composed of the perfect blend of young players and veterans. And while Manning may not have Odell Beckham Jr. as a target anymore, he still has a solid offense surrounding him. With Sterling Shepard at wide receiver, Evan Ingram at tight end, and Rookie of the Year Saquon Barkley all as great receiving options, Manning has plenty of players to dish it out to, even without the suspended Golden Tate. I think we have receivers that, uh, yeah, they do a good job. They, they're, they're very smart. They've been around. They know what they're doing. We can move around. However, the Giants' defense will have to deal with the Cowboys' biggest threat, Pro Bowl running back Ezekiel Elliott, who just agreed to a record-breaking $90 million contract extension. This could be the biggest test all year for Big Blue's defense against a strong running game. With a taste of victory this preseason, though, the Giants are hungry to win their first regular season matchup. Against a formidable opponent, I have Big Blue narrowly defeating the Cowboys with a strong performance from Barkley, 17-14. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. Really good report from Brianna, and of course she had to highlight the big, big week one matchup, Giants-Cowboys in Dallas. They always start the season that way. It used to always be on Sunday Night Football, but yeah. because the Giants have been so bad lately, they uh, had to move up the time of that game. But regardless, let's jump right into Big Blue. Eli Manning's potential last year as a starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Daniel Jones right up against his heels. Showed out pretty well in the preseason and uh, I, I, I we'll talk about it in a little bit. But Daniel Jones could potentially be the starting quarterback this year and uh, be a, a, their franchise quarterback of the future. Yeah, 100%. He absolutely could. You know, and I could see that happening as... It's interesting because we talked about how the Jets opened the season with such a difficult schedule. It's kind of the opposite for the Giants. The Giants finish with a really tough schedule and open with kind of a really a manageable schedule. So if they had started the season, you know, 0-3, 0-4, or 0-5, then I could really see Daniel Jones taking over earlier. Now I kind of see it a little bit later in the season just because if they are even 500 at the beginning of the season, I really can't see them you know, making that change to Daniel Jones, especially since Dave Gettleman after the draft was saying how you know, he would love if Eli played three more years before <laughs> Daniel Jones played. Now maybe that's an exaggeration, but... I do think that their preference is to let Daniel Jones sit for as long as possible, and I think that that's going to kind of keep Eli there. And I feel like we've been talking about potential Eli Manning last year. It's for like three or four exactly. years now. It's just yeah. beating the same drum over and over again. This ownership and front office can't really make up its mind. I think they're sick of the media questions too, which is why you keep hearing these quotes like, I hope he never takes a snap this year, referring to yeah. Daniel Jones. So if the Giants are somewhat good or even decent – Eli Manning's not sitting. I, so, And I think the Giants have the potential to maybe be a 500 football team this year. Mm -hmm. That's not out of the question. So that could kind of derail their plans. You won't really get to see Daniel Jones against real non-preseason level competition. I don't think the Giants are a good football team, but could they tread water? Absolutely. And they don't have as tough of a schedule as the Jets do this year. So <laughs> I, I think there's going to be maybe – more of a detrimental year for the Giants franchise. Just another seven and nine, eight and eight year with the subpar Eli Manning. You guys say that. So let me just get your takes before I get sure. mine. You guys think that Eli Manning plays the whole year? 
Uh, that's tough. I, if I had to bet, yeah, I think I think Eli Manning plays the whole year, and especially since you know, again, I think that it's within the cards. If you look at their first few weeks of the season, I think the Giants could start out the season three and one. You know, like like I don't, right. I th- I think that the the schedule is manageable in that way, and the the lines better this season. Um, I I think that you know Sterling Shepard's gonna gonna have a great season this year. I, they apparently want to feed the ball to Evan Ingram. Saquon Barkley is maybe the best running back in football. I, I don't think that they're that bad, and they added to the defense as well. Yeah, good start could be in the cards, and that doesn't play well for Daniel Jones. It certainly kind of shoes in Eli Manning for at least through the midway point of the season. He'll be the starter, and then if they're still around a 500 team, which would be the case, he's probably riding it out until the end of the year. Barring injury, I think Eli Manning is going to make a substantial portion of the starts this year, and the only way I see it really coming loose is if the media attention gets so bad and they're like three and seven on the year and then they'll bench Eli Manning. That's all it would take. I totally disagree with you both. <laughs> I think that the Giants finish max five and eleven, maybe four and twelve. I think Daniel Jones will come in at some point in the season. Um the Giants I think will be pretty, pretty brutal this year. I mean, they start off the season no golden tape for four games because of the suspension. True. No Corey Coleman because of a torn ACL. Sterling Shepard, who I think broke his thumb, but I think he will be ready for week one. Regardless, your best weapons for week one will be Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, who aren't bad, but they have no depth after that. Saquon Barkley will be Saquon Barkley. He'll be good, but he, they proved last year that regardless of him being him, they finished 5-11 and because Eli Manning and the offensive line were terrible. Uh, the offensive line you did mention did get better with Kevin Zeitler, yep. who they traded over uh, from Cleveland. But overall, that I don't, I don't think their defense is is that that good or sustainable. And Eli Manning, I think, will will be a sh- he already is a shell of himself. And mm-hmm. I don't think that this year will be a good one for him. And by the by week ten, I think against the Jets or after their bye week, Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants, in my opinion. And just to wrap up with them on their on their end, I think week seventeen at home. Is what is the game that I think that Eli Manning they give him one last swan song and then they ride off into the, he rides off into the sunset either goes off somewhere else or retires and uh, the Giants will finish with a sub 500 record for the for what is it the fifth year in a row yeah yeah and then listen I do think that they're a sub 500 team I think that there are a lot of variables with this team. You know, they did ship off Odell Beckham, and I didn't love the trade at the time. I still don't love the trade. I don't think it was good value. But they did add Kevin Zeitler. They did add a number of draft picks this season. DeAndre Baker at corner. They added Jabril, Pepper, Jabril Peppers to kind of uh, alleviate the, the hurt of losing Landon Collins. I think the defense is not that bad. Like I said before, with the addition of Kevin Zeitler, the offensive line is better. So hopefully, you know, um, hopefully Saquon has a few more running lanes. Hopefully Eli has a little bit more time. I think that this it's well within the cards for the team to finish 6-10, and 7-9 around there. I'm going to go with 6-10, and 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team got to 7 wins. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I think 7-9, and nine, even 8-8, eight and 6-10, eight, and 10, anywhere in that range wouldn't surprise me for the Giants it's they just really don't have direction with this team right now. And I think that's what's boiled down to for the last couple of years. And one of the reasons I think they could hold on to whatever's left of Eli Manning, whatever that is. And I don't really have high expectations for the Giants this year. As, as you guys were mentioning the flaws, it's really not a well-rounded football team. Giants, overall, we all agree they will probably be a, a sub-500 team. Yeah. Won't make the playoffs. Daniel Jones, 
I think will come in at some point in the season regardless. He will be the starting quarterback next year for them. And uh, that'll do it for our Giants segment. One more fantasy hit with E-Man. Who are the sleepers of the week? And then we'll go into our weekly pick'em segment, which I think we all agree is one of the best segments Absolutely. of the Can't show. Wait. So, <laughs> E-Man, take it away. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Sleeper number one, quarterback Nick Foles. We were talking about him before. Jacksonville Jaguars taking over the reins. And the Jaguars defense might be able to do something against Patrick Mahomes. But if not, he's going to be throwing the football a lot this week. So you can rely on that. And Foles isn't the guy who's receiving a lot of attention in fantasy leagues. So if you need to pick someone up, slide him into that quarterback slot. He's going to be throwing the football a lot this week. Could lead to some uh, garbage time madness from Nick Foles. And stat padding, per se. So Nick Foles, sleeper number one. And on to the second sleeper of the week, Kevin Coleman. San Francisco 49ers running back. The Bucks' run defense has proven vulnerable time and time again. And the reunion between Coleman and Kyle Shanahan might give the former Falcons some big numbers. So if you're looking for a guy who's an under-the-radar RB2 option, Kevin Coleman not receiving the attention he deserves. That matchup against the Bucks and their run defense could create some good things. So Nick Foles from the Jaguars, Kevin Coleman from the 49ers, your sleepers for the week. All right, E-Man, that was it for your fantasy segments, but let's get right into it. Let's get to the crystal ball and pick, make our picks, excuse me, for our NFL Week 1 Pick'em segment. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, first game, 1 o'clock, L.A. Rams versus Carolina Panthers. I go the Rams big on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go the Rams as well. I don't know if it'll be big. I think that the you know there are things that surprise us every year. I think that the Panthers could be really good this year, but I'm going to go Rams as well. I got the Rams. I don't think it's going to be awfully close. Cleveland Browns versus Tennessee Titans. Browns, first game of the season. All this hype in the offseason. I think that they beat the Titans in week one and start off on a good foot. I think the Browns get stunned week one and the Titans win that game. I like the Titans, too. The Browns are going to face some adversity this year. They have way too much hype going into the year. The Browns shouldn't have hype attached to them ever, and I think the Titans come in there, and they kind of give them a little bit of a reality check. Chiefs, Jaguars, I think the Chiefs win this one. I think the Chiefs win as well. Chiefs all the way around. Baltimore and Miami. Miami's potentially going to be the worst team in the league, so Lamar Jackson and the Ravens go into Miami and run all over them. Yeah, I think the Ravens win that one as well. Ravens win big and a nice confidence boost for Lamar Jackson in year two. Tough matchup, Atlanta versus Minnesota. Both teams are vying to get back into the playoffs. I go Atlanta on the road. Interesting. I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I think the Vikings you know, really underperformed last year and underwhelmed. I think that they take that next step this season. This is a tough one. This is one you're going to circle on the calendar, but I do like the Falcons on the road. I think they're a little more well-rounded, and they'll go into Minnesota and, and win week one. New York Jets and Buffalo Bills. In my Jets report, I said Jets 24-14, and they start the year 1-0. I actually think that that's a pretty good forecast. I think that they're, they're going to start the year 1-0, and I think that they're going to win by double digits. I think it'll be a good game. I think the Bills are very good this year, and maybe not very good, but maybe on the same plane as the Jets around. So close game, Jets, though, by a couple points. Rebuilding Redskins versus the Philadelphia Eagles, who Evan, Evan, Devin, excuse me, not Evan, picked to win the Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl, I'm going to go with the Eagles. I'm going to go with the Eagles, and this is one that I actually do believe is going to be a pretty you know, wide margin. I think the Eagles killed them at home. Yeah, Eagles by a lot. 
Colts and Chargers to start the 4 o'clock games. Indianapolis, first game without Andrew Luck. I think that the Chargers, who will also be without Melvin Gordon, who's still holding out, uh, get the win in this one. This is a tough one because the Colts are really talented up and down. You know, obviously Jacoby Brissett is a big drop-off from Andrew Luck, but the Chargers don't really have a home field advantage. I'm going to go with the Colts surprising in this one. I have the Colts winning that division, so I'm sticking to my guns. I like the Colts in week one. Brissett makes a statement right off the bat. Cincinnati and Seattle. Seattle's the home team. Regardless if they were on the road or at home, Seattle wins big. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one. Seattle at home, definitely Seattle. Detroit at Arizona. Kyler Murray's first game as an NFL quarterback. Ah, I mean, it might be, it might not be a tough decision, considering that both teams are pretty bad. Uh, but I'm just going to go with Detroit on the road. It's a safer pick. I'm going to go with Detroit as well. I think that that Cardinals defense is pretty hideous. I, I don't, I think that there's holes all over, and I think Detroit wins this game. I have Detroit as well. Giants at Cowboys. Dallas has Ezekiel Elliott back. Regardless if they had him or not, I still think Dallas would, is going to win this game. I, I'm going to go Dallas as well. Giants have a soft schedule. This isn't one of them. I like the Cowboys, and I like them by a comfortable margin. 49ers at Tampa Bay. First game is Bruce for Bruce Arians as the head coach of the Buccaneers. Jimmy Garoppolo, first game back since a torn ACL. I'm going to go with the 49ers on the road. I think Jimmy G... Uh, puts on a show in Tampa Bay. This is a really, really interesting game to me. Um, I I'm really want to see what Bruce Arians does with the Bucks, but I think that the 49ers are a more well-rounded team, and I'm going to go San Francisco. Second at seven, I'm going 49ers on the road. Clean sweep there. New England Patriots versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Sunday Night Football, the champs get their, their rings and unveil their banner. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots over the Steelers. Yeah, I don't love either of these teams. These games between the Steelers and Patriots are always close. I'm going to go with the Patriots narrowly. Narrowly for Patriots, I agree. This Patriots dynasty may never end, and it's going to be painful to watch them lift another banner. But look, they're getting those rings. They're at home. They're in Foxborough. I give them the edge. Two Monday night games this week. First one, New Orleans versus Houston. Houston will be better, um, but New Orleans, who I picked to win the Super Bowl, gets the week one win. Yeah, especially at home, I'm going to go with the Saints. At home, home field advantage, Saints. Last game, Monday night at 10:20, Denver at Oakland without Antonio Brown. Derek Carr's first game back um, since last season. I don't think he'll be that good, so I'm going to go with Denver on the road. I'm very interested to see to see what happens in this game, but I'm going to go with the Raiders. I'm going to go Broncos on the road. Maybe Charlie gets his wish and Antonio Brown runs onto the field and plays. <laughs> but I'm going Denver on the road minus Antonio Brown. That'll do it for our week one edition of NFL Friday. Glad to be back with you guys. Once again, Charlie Masano alongside Devlin Clemente, Emmanuel Barbari, Brianna Leverty, thank you for being our producer in the back. Stay tuned next week for our week two edition. We'll be back. Take care. Have a good week, everybody. Glad football is back.